you're you're instinctively wanting to squat, I'm going to pick up on that and say, okay, let's let's squat. And maybe instead of this kind of squat, we can squat in like this other kind of way. So it's like, we're still kind of changing positions, but it's still, you know, you're still doing kind of what your body is, is telling you it, it, it needs. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. One thing that we have noticed is that you guys love our episodes about labor and delivery because that can really be the great unknown for a first time mom. So today we have a special surprise for you. We have Liesl Teen, a registered labor and delivery nurse and the face behind the very popular account, Mommy Labor Nurse on Instagram. She's got two kids herself, and she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to helping people prepare for all kinds of labor and delivery, whether you know you want an epidural, whether you want to try to do medication-free, or whether you're going to have a C-section. Her goal is very similar to ours in that she wants to empower women and give them resources to help them through this phase of their lives. So I'm so excited, Liesl, to finally talk to you, sit down with you and get your knowledge. I wanted to start by asking, how did you go down the path of becoming a labor and delivery nurse? Did you know that's the type of nursing that you wanted to do? I did. And thank you for that fabulous introduction too. That was that just warmed my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm so excited to be here with you today. I did. Yeah. So I had, I've been a nurse now for about 10 years in labor and delivery for about nine. And I really like wasn't the kind of person that knew I wanted to be a nurse per se my whole life, but I knew I wanted to do something with kids or pregnancy or maternity or something. And just, I've always been a helper. You know, I like, I like caregiving. Uh, so nursing, you know, obviously naturally kind of came up when I'm thinking about careers. Uh, so I went to nursing school and I remember during my maternity clinicals, I saw my first vaginal birth before, you know, this was, like I said, 10, well, over 10 years ago. And I didn't, didn't have any kids or anything at that time. I had never been in a birth before. And I think I was like 20, what, two or something yeah. like that, you know, young. Um, and I saw my first vaginal birth and I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, oh my gosh. So I knew kind of sit, I mean, I kind of knew before then, like, I'm thinking I want to do labor and delivery or NICU or postpartum or something. But once I, once I did my clinicals and I saw that one, I saw another C-section 
that day, or maybe it was a different day of clinicals, but I saw another, you know, I saw a C-section and that was like super duper cool. It just kind of sparked that like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get into this, uh, whichever way, in whatever way possible. So I started, uh, working in the ED actually, cause that's the only job that I could get once I graduated from nursing school. And I'm really thankful that for that job because it taught me a lot of just, uh, working skills that I still use, you know, now just with time management. And I, you know, I got really good with IVs and Foley's and just, you know, bedside skills in general. So I worked there for about a year and then I switched to labor and delivery and I just really haven't looked back. I, you know, it's nothing, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> I've found my home. I love that for you. I was also, I'm also a nurse and mm-hmm. in my labor and delivery clinical, I passed out during my first vaginal birth. I love it though. Like now I love birth. I'm a doula. Yeah. I, it was just like a lot to take in. Yeah. Oh, it is. The emotion really got to me. Like the husband yeah. was being so supportive and it was yeah. such a beautiful moment that it was yeah. so overwhelming. I get that. Like that makes total sense. I don't, I've never been, well, that's not true. I've actually been close to passing out in one of my, uh, one of my good friends births. Cause I was taking pictures for her and I like hadn't eaten and I was like locking my, you know, doing like yeah, the yeah. knee lock and she was like just about to deliver. And I'm like, Oh my God, don't pass out. Don't pass out. I need to get these pictures. Ah. So <laughs> I didn't pass out. It was fine, but I definitely got like the starry, you know, like very, very close to passing out, but yeah, it's so much emotion. So that makes total sense why you passed out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we want to get into today. We really try to help women to understand what the process is going to be like. One thing that I think people don't know is exactly what the labor and delivery nurse is in charge of. I want to know how are you helping during the birth process? And then how do you work with the doctors? Yeah. So I, I kind of wear a lot of hats and it really depends on the patient as well of, of kind of what I'm doing. Cause you know, no birth is, is exactly the same, but I'll say for a patient who's, let's say in active labor, I am doing all the nurse type things, right? So I'm like giving medications if I need to give you any medications. Um, I'm doing a lot of the chart, well, all of the charting, um, all of my charting that I have to do at least. And that takes a good bit of time from my mm-hmm. job. I really wish I didn't have to chart at all, but that is a big portion that I have to do is I have to chart kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it and, you know, communication type stuff with the doctors. And so I'm giving medication, I'm doing charting, I'm helping you with support. If you don't have a doula, I'm kind of being your doula as well. If you do have a doula, like me and your doula are our buds and we're, you know, we're working side by side, supporting you in whichever way you need, whether that's doing position changes, whether that is, you know, some some patients just need a lot of encouragement and just presence and or, you know, counter pressure. I mean, it's, you know, I'm doing really a big part of my job is just like reading the room and kind of gauging what you need in that moment. Cause it, like I said, it's, it's very, very uh, different. Some people need like, like I said, some people need the counter pressure and the position changes and like very active labor support. Some people are like in the tub chilling and they just need somebody right next to them, encouraging them that they're doing a great job. And, you know, I have to do all my ner- other nurse stuff too and vital signs, stuff like that. If you've got like an epidural, I have to 
you know, set you up for that. And I don't actually do the epidurals, but um, I set you up for the epidural and I'm, you know, assessing you afterwards and doing, you know, checking baby's heart rate, making sure that's okay with the contractions. If you're on Pitocin, I have to manage that. There's just like, it's just a lot of things, but it's, it's very unique to you know, whatever's going on specifically with your situation. I'm basically like the doctor's eyes and ears when they can't be in the room. Um, and I'm relaying, you know, important information to them as, as I, you know, if I see something kind of come up. So I'm always, I'm always kind of like looking out for any danger, you know, kind of signs, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I could, I could list off a, a bunch of other things, but it really, it really depends on, on what kind of situation, you know, you've got. Yeah, that's for sure. I think one thing that sometimes women don't realize is the doctor, the OB might not be in the room all that often. Right. And that like you're saying, you're the eyes. And so these people meet their OB so much during the process yeah. of being pregnant. But then in that room, you know, mine, I, I probably saw them maybe once during labor. And then mm -hmm. when I'm pushing, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where I think people can have a little misconception, your labor and delivery nurse, that is likely who you really are going to be leaning on if you yes. don't have a doula. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I actually love uh, the midwife model of care because they are in the rooms a lot more and they are laboring with the patients. Typically, you know, it kind of depends on on the midwife, of course, and on the facility, but that, but that model of care is a little bit different than just, you know, how the OBs are. They're, they're important and they, they have, you know, they're, they're things that, that they do that are unique to midwives as well. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm in there, I'm in there for a good bit. Uh, and the doctor's just kind of popping in there and, and checking on you during labor. And like you said, that's the same thing that happened with both of my births. I saw, I saw her once or twice, maybe during labor and then, and then at delivery. And, you know, that's, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. I think just knowing kind of what to expect is helpful because then yes. our, we don't get disappointed. We understand right. like, oh, that's the normal model of care for my chosen provider. Right. Okay. One thing that you are really passionate about, one thing that you educate all the time about on your feed is what really happens during birth. And we mm -hmm. believe that knowledge is power. So from your experience, when you're seeing someone that is working through labor and she's feeling prepared for it, what did she do to help her prepare? Yeah. So ideally, I wish everybody could take a birth course uh, during, during pregnancy, but really those are the moms who are most prepared typically they've taken they've taken an educational course or they've listened to a bunch of birth stories they've they've you know been on our instagram pages and watched videos and just they're engulfed in birth and they know what to expect because they've been educated about it beforehand so that's definitely uh number 1 i would say is i yeah i wish everybody could take a birth prep course and those because those are really my most prepared moms um especially if you're if you're talking about you know you want to go unmedicated that that's a 
real main reason I even kind of started mommy labor nurse in the first place is I would see these moms come in and they would say, oh, I don't, you know, I really don't want to get an epidural. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. You know, what do you know about this? And they would say, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't take any birth prep classes, but I have a high pain tolerance. And I'm like, okay, you know, okay, we can still do this, but it, you know, it's just, it's that expectation that they need to be prepared for. So it's like, oh gosh, I wish I could get you when you're like 32 weeks and just go over all the mental stuff that I, that I want to tell you and, you know, go over what counter counter pressure is and go over like all these different position changes that I want to do. So it's, yeah education. That's my, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. It's like, you're less afraid when you, yeah. know, when you what, know, you know, what could happen. Like, you know, that it's really common to get scared or start shaking or maybe even vomit. Like if you know, right. that's a possibility, it's a little bit less scary. So we definitely highly recommend that everyone you know, gets knowledgeable and it's, we're not asking people to become a labor and delivery nurse. Like, of no. course not, Yeah. but we're saying if you can get yourself some education from one, I think that that would be great. Yeah. I've got some courses you can take yes. and there's, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of other really great birth courses out there. So I love online education because you've got so many options, but yeah, do, do some sort of education that that's going to be, that's going to be your best bet going in. Absolutely. When I was a first time mom, I know one thing that I feared was going to the hospital and then being sent home. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's your first time in labor, you're like, yeah. wait, is this really it? Because as we know, sometimes you can get some contractions and it doesn't tip into active labor. So yeah. for the women listening that have that same concern, how do they know if they're actually in labor? I know it's so tough with first time moms because you don't know what you don't know. You know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. So what I usually tell first time moms is most of the time, 95% of the time, there's going to be, you know, a few, few people out there who are going to still question if they're actually in labor and they are actually going to be in labor. But 95% of the time, if you're having contractions and you're like, um, is this like, is this labor? Is this not labor? You're probably either not in labor or you're at the very, very beginning when it, you can manage them at home. It's not quite time to go to the hospital yet. If you're in labor, you're usually not questioning anymore. You're usually like, yeah, these hurt. This is rhythmic. This is happening. You know, they're getting closer together. They're getting more intense. I'm in labor. So that's like just, gra you know, ground level. Like if you're questioning, you're probably not in labor, but also there've been a, a couple people that I know personally who uh, just go really, really fast. And they're like, oh, wait a second. Uh, yes, I definitely am in labor <laughs> once they're like pushing the baby out. Um, but yeah, I would say that's, that's number one in terms of what you're feeling usually with early labor, you know, how it starts sometimes, you know, your water can break before contractions even begin. But typically what happens is you start to have 
period like cramping, okay, lower abdomen, sometimes it's in your back, sometimes it's in your butt, sometimes it's in your groin, but you have these like strong period cramps at first, um, if you've ever had period cramps before. And those kind of are spaced out initially, and they're kind of irregular, but then they start to have a pattern, okay? Because sometimes what happens is your body you know, your term maybe, and, or yes, but your term and you're having these contractions and they're, you know, they're kind of hurting, they're uncomfortable, but they're not really, they're not really pattern-like yet. And you're right. You're questioning like, oh wait, but these hurt. And, and should I go to the hospital? Well, sometimes what happens is your body does this kind of just in preparation for that really big day. I use the example of like, if you're, if you're in a play per se, right? Like you got to practice your lines before you're actually on stage, right? So your body's sometimes kind of practicing <laughs> its lines uh, before you're actually going on stage and doing the big performance. So that can happen, but usually it's not these, this pattern, it's not this intensity that's increasing. Um, there's usually something that makes it better too, whether you go on a walk and they kind of, you know, kind of fizzle out or you get in the bathtub and they kind of fizzle out or you, you know, change your position, you lay down, you drink a bunch of water, they kind of fizzle out. That's a good indication that you're probably not in labor yet, or you're just in very, very early labor. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember the, my first I was like laying down, I was watching the Ellen show to kind of pass time and see if, if it was real or not. Mm -hmm. And they started to really kick on where I had to a breathe through them and be like, I had to change positions. Like yes. it really gets to a point where you're like, you, you're not able to, to just lay comfortably. Like you have to do something to try to help yourself. I feel like. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. That's a very, very good thing to note is that if you're feeling like you can't really manage breathing through them much anymore, or if you lose the inability to, to really speak through them, that's a good indication that they're hurting you a good, a good bit and that you should, you should get, uh, get going and, you know, whether you're having a baby in the hospital, get, you know, get going to the hospital. But yeah, that's a really good point that if you're feeling like you can't really control these much <laughs> much longer. Um, it's probably time. Yeah. And I feel like just taking the pressure off yourself and understanding you can absolutely yes. call in and ask yeah. what, what they would do and take a little bit of the pressure off yourself, explain what's been going on and, and let them help you make that decision so that you can feel supported. And like we say, it's kind of scary because it's your first time or even yep. your second or third or fourth time. Let someone else help you make those decisions if you need to. Yes. Yes. Good. Very good point. Okay. We wanted to talk epidural for a yeah. minute. Some women are like absolutely sure they know that that's the route they want to go. Some women are not sure. So from your experience, what do you feel like are the biggest pros and cons to epidurals? Yeah. I love this one. Okay. So I have a post that I did a while back that was very like pros on this side, cons on this side. So I'm going to just kind of summarize it for you. So usually if you get an epidural, okay, that an epidural is the best form of pain control. Really, if you're, if you're looking for um, something 
did something to control your pain during labor. Okay. We've got other things like nitrous oxide and IV pain medication, doing lots of position changes, water therapy, that kind of stuff. But an epidural, if it's working well, okay. And we'll go over that too, is that is, you know, that is like the, the gold standard. Okay. So that's a definite pro <laughs> is that it will take your contraction pain away. Okay. Or it should. Um, another really big pro is that it lets moms kind of fully rest, relax. Sometimes after you get an epidural, if it's working well, you can just fall asleep and, and then you wake up and you're feeling a lot of pressure and you push your baby out. So it gives you that period of like rest and relaxation. And uh, with my epidural moms, I also see that they are a little bit more alert and present during labor after they get their epidural and during pushing, because if you're, you know, if you're in labor and, and you're in transition and, and, you know, you're pushing sometimes the, the crazy labor kind of takes takes over and and you're not you know you're working with your body right but you're not quite quite there okay so you you will likely be more alert more present okay during labor and during pushing and also a big pro is that you don't need any like numbing medication if you well typically but you you shouldn't need any numbing medication if you have a tear afterwards uh cuz the epidural should you know, numb that area up. Okay. And let's see cons. I've talked about one kind of already, but it might not work. You know, epidurals are not perfect. Uh, I have a stat of 10% that, you know, 10% of epidurals are inadequate or they don't work, but I would argue that it's probably a little bit more than that. Uh, mm. So what I always tell moms is that if you get an epidural and it's not working. Let's say it's one-sided or it's just not working at all. Speak up, let us know, because there are things that we can do to try and get it to work. Okay. It might, you know, it, it, it might be a little bit longer than a typical mom who got an epidural and, you know, 15 minutes later, she's, she's numb, but there are some things that we can do to try and make it work. Okay. But you know, 10% of the time, that time, it, they just, it's not going to meet your expectation of taking that contraction pain completely away. Okay. Another con is uh, it doesn't take away the pressure type pain. Okay. Or uncomfortableness that you'll feel as the baby is descending in your pelvis. Okay. So epidurals, they take away pain sensation, but pressure sensation to our bodies is different. Okay. So sometimes people don't recognize this that like, oh, I thought I was going to get an epidural and I was going to take away all of my pain. Why am I feeling all of this pressure in my butt and it's uncomfortable? Well, an epidural is not designed to do that. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, not necessarily a con, but just, just like a fact. Okay. Cause you're still going to have pressure if you deliver a baby without without an epidural too. Um, another con is that it may, I'm going to say, impact your contraction pattern. Okay. So sometimes we see moms, if they get epidurals really, really, you know, early in labor, or if they're being induced, sometimes it can kind of slow down or, or impact your, your contraction pattern where your contractions are like uh, what we call coupling, like there, there, there's like two and then there's like a five minute period and then there's two. So it can kind of impact it a little bit. Now, usually that, you know, that's short lived. Okay. But sometimes it can slow things down. And sometimes then we'll, you know, we'll say, oh, 
maybe we should start Pitocin. Maybe we should do these things that we might have not done um, if you didn't have an, an epidural. Okay. Another con I would say too is that you can still move around. You definitely big pro, uh, big advocate of moving after you get an epidural. Okay. But you have to stay kind of in or very near the bed, okay? Epidural is is designed to kind of numb your legs, okay? So you can, if you just hop out of bed, you can fall down on the ground. We don't want you to do that. It's a lot of paperwork we got to do, okay? So um, you can't, you know, move around outside of the bed a whole lot, but there are still a lot of things that you can do in the bed and kind of like around the bed, okay? And then I would say, Another con, kind of the last con, is sometimes it can make pushing a little bit more difficult for our moms. They need a little bit more coaching, and it's you know been shown to increase pushing times just a little bit. But with our epidurals these days, a good epidural is going to numb you, um, but it's not going to you know, make you so numb that you can't move your legs around. And it is going to be just numb enough that you are going to be able to feel where you need to push. But sometimes there's kind of like a learning curve initially when I have an epidural, um, an epidural mom and she's pushing that you kind of just, it's a little bit of a different sensation down there. So you have to just, you have to just learn how to push with an epidural, if that makes sense. Lisa, I loved your explanation. And I, for both of us, it's like, we want women to choose whatever they feel like is best for them. We just want to give you the information. I think a lot of us don't know, you know, the pros and cons to each type of pain medication. And if we talked about this more, I feel like people would feel more empowered in their decision. Totally. Totally. That's what I'm all about is that, Hey, like I'm, I'm, not biased at all. I just want to put the information out there and like, whatever you choose, you choose. It's, it's not, it's not my decision. It's yours. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by the Expecting and Empowered Prepping for Labor and Delivery course. This is our self-paced online course that will help prepare your mind, body, and partner for what's to come during the major event of labor and delivery. Here's a quote from someone that took our course. The Expecting and Empowered course made most of my anxiety about giving birth go away. The more educated I became, the more I could advocate for myself and this baby. The course got my wheels churning and really allowed me to wrap my head around the birthing process. What makes this course different from others is the unique combination of expertise between myself and my sister, Crystal. We marry her physical therapist knowledge with my background as a nurse, personal trainer, and doula. We also have six births under our belts, three vaginal and three cesarean. This helps us to deliver real tangible tips, such as the best positions to help labor progress, what to actually expect during each each stage of labor and what your partner can actually do to be helpful. This and so much more is why this course is all you need to feel ready to tackle labor. Knowledge is power. Make sure you use the promo code podcast 25 at checkout to save 25% off the prepping for labor and delivery course. We'll put the link in the show notes. And now back to our show. Okay. I also, we mentioned this just a little bit earlier, but from Mm -hmm. your labor and delivery experience, do you feel like your patients are changing positions a lot during labor? Do you find most women like to do that or is it really a mixed bag? I would say 
most people, if they don't have epidurals, they are going to want to be changing positions as labor is intensifying, okay? You're naturally moving to kind of ease that contraction pain. Uh, some moms I get and they are in so much pain and they're tensing and they're like, I don't want to move at all. I'm just like, just leave me alone. Um, but I'd say most moms, you know, they, they naturally just like want to move and, and relieve the pain. For my epidural moms, what I always encourage them to do is that because now you're more comfortable with your, you know, with your contraction pain, you're not getting that body cue anymore that like, oh, hey, I, I kind of want to move around to relieve this pain. So you have to be very, very proactive about moving after you get an epidural. Okay. Cause that's going to, you know, that's going to increase your likelihood of having a successful vaginal delivery. Okay. So I always tell my moms with epidurals, let's try and change positions at least every 30 minutes. Okay. If you've now, you know, there's always an exception. If you're a mom that I've gotten and you've been laboring all day, let's say, and you're exhausted, and then you finally like get your epidural and you're like, oh, finally, I got, I can, I can rest. I'm not going to wake you up in 30 minutes and make you, you know, move. I, it, I'm going to let you get your little nap and, and let you get rested because I feel like that's important too. Okay. But if you're awake, if you're moving around or sorry, if you're awake and you're alert, we want to be moving around at least every 30 minutes. Okay. I'm not going to let you just lay there for, you know, three hours, right. And, and just in the same position, but we want to be really proactively moving after we get epidurals. Now, last thing I'll say too, is sometimes with my mom's especially deep in labor, they're in transition, they, you know, are unmedicated and they are the kind of moms that are like tense, you know, not wanting to move. I try to, you know, help them get in a, in a different position per se, like let's, you know, I'll encourage hands and knees. Okay. And sometimes they say they'll have that first contraction and they'll say, oh my God, no, I cannot do this at all. This is like, I don't like this. And I, and I say, okay, I, I hear you. I hear you that this is not a good, good position, but I always encourage moms. I'm not going to force you to stay in any position that you don't want to be in, but I always encourage moms, let's try it for at least three contractions. Okay. Cause sometimes what, what I see is that a mom will have a contraction and she has that reaction. And then the next one, she's like, okay, okay, I can do this. Like, this is a little, you know, this is actually better than, than what I was before. And then by that third one, it's like, okay okay, like I like this, let's stay in this for another few contractions and then we'll move, okay? So I always, you know, I always encourage moms at least three contractions in this position um, because by that third contraction, if you're still like, I cannot do this, then okay, we'll move, no big deal. But that at least is like that, that time cue also of like, okay, I'm doing something different, but I just had, I can't do this much longer. I've just had one contraction. Now I'm having another one. I'm changing positions too fast. So I'd like kind of like put it on a timeline per se. And it makes people just, I don't know, conceptualize it a little bit better, but, but yeah, I'm big, a uh, big fan of movement for sure. Yeah. And, and the thing I would remind women too, is of course, there'll be times where you're labor and delivery nurse is coaching you, but also intuitively your body is probably going to do some movement. It's like when we have babies yes. and we're always swaying and then you're like, you're swaying without a baby all of a sudden. It's like your body is 
going to intuitively try to cope with what you're going through. So you might find yourself, you know, squatting or doing something to relieve and, and your body just knew it wanted to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, you know, I'm never going to force you into any position that you don't want to be in. Right. Um, because if I notice that you're, you're instinctively wanting to squat, I'm going to pick up on that and say, okay, let's, let's squat. And maybe instead of this kind of squat, we can squat in like this other kind of way. So it's like, we're still kind of changing positions, but it's still, you know, you're still doing kind of what your body is, is telling you it, it, it needs. Yeah. Let's dive into transition. You mentioned it during yeah. that last answer. I want to help people understand this period. I will tell you during my first birth, this was the point that I did get scared. Yeah. I started shaking. I puked and I'll never forget my labor and delivery nurse. Her name was Anne. She looked me in the eye and she goes, Amy, this is a good sign. This means that yeah. your baby is getting closer. You can do this. And she just completely reassured me that everything that was happening was normal when we get to this intense part of labor. So tell us what is transition? How many centimeters dilated are we? And what are you seeing as a nurse? Yeah. I love, first of all, go Anne, because that's exactly what I would do in that situation. And a lot of times that's all that moms need is that encouragement and just that reassurance that like, Hey, I know this is really, really intense right now, but it's happening for a reason and you're doing such a great job. So transition, let's see transition, you know, from a clinical standpoint is like when we get to that point in labor, usually we say it's like seven, eight ish centimeters to 10 centimeters. But really, I like to outline it more by your behavior. Um, Because usually I see that shift from just active labor to transition. And I have this little, uh, little post that I did a long time ago of like my faces of like early labor, active labor and transitional labor. And like early labor, my face is like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm in labor. I'm, I'm, this hurts, but like, okay, I can kind of manage this. I can kind of smile a little bit, but I'm not, you know, it's a little bit hard active labor. You're not really smiling anymore. You're, um, you're serious, like, okay, this hurts. And then transition, you might be doing things out of character, or you might be doing things that you can't control. Like, you know, throwing up. Sometimes I see moms and they are, you know, just moving all over the place or they are saying things that they wouldn't normally say, like they're, they're cursing at their significant <laughs> I was say, My husband like always is like yeah. your telltale sign three deliveries yeah. labor is you swear like a sailor right up. Yeah. End. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You just kind of, you're just like, like crazy. I don't know. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you're kind of a little bit out of character. And, and that's kind of how I, I, I see without even seeing, uh, without even assessing a mom, how dilated she is. I kind of just know you, you just, you just shift into that, like, crazy lady period. And it's fine. You know, that's, that's what we expect. I get excited when I see that because I know it's not going to be that much longer before we have a baby. So how I, um, I think you asked also like how I help moms during this period. And I would, I would go back to what you were talking about. What Anne did for you is encouragement. Okay. Reassurance that this is happening and this is normal. Okay. 
Uh, a big thing, and like I said, when I was describing kind of my roles uh, of what I do as a nurse is reading people and, and reading kind of what they need in that moment, because some moms just need that. You know, they just need somebody kind of in their face and they're, and them being like, you know, you being like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Like I'm here with you. It's fine. No big deal. Well, not no big deal, but you know, (laughs) it's fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to get through this together. Um, Some, some moms really need like hands-on, like very like loving, gentle, like gentle, you know, kind of back rubs. Some people need that like really, really hard counter pressure. Some moms even don't even need that, like the the words of affirmation, like you're doing such a great job, keep going, that sort of thing. They need like, like a, like a military sergeant kind of person in their face. Like you got this. Okay. I know you're going crazy right now. It's going to be fine. I'm here with you, but you're doing, you know, it's like more of a stern and, and not like a, like a, like a sappy, not sappy, but not like a, like a words of affirmation kind of feeling. Okay. Some moms really do just need that. And it kind of just snaps them back because they feel like they're just out of control. Okay. So I almost just need to be like stern, not rude to them, but just like, Hey, stay with me. It's okay. We're going to get through this. So it's, it's a lot of just reading in the moment. What what moms kind of need, um, and just trying a lot of different things and see what works. That's why I encourage moms to do birth education beforehand and get like your little tool bag of all these things that I can do to manage labor because there's a lot of different things and you don't know, right? You don't know what's going to happen during transition. You don't know if you're going to really, really like counter pressure or you're going to really, really like being in the tub or you're going to, you know, hate this and you thought you would love this. So it's just about helping them, you know, with a lot of different, different things to do. Um, and, and yeah, we just, then we just kind of wait it out until the, until the baby comes. It's like a primal, just primal noises coming out of you. It's just like Lisa was saying, yes. it can be very animal. <laughs> yes. It, you feel animalistic and you feel like I've got to figure out something to cope with this. Something yes. might've been working your whole labor up to that point. And then all of a sudden that's not working right. anymore. And you need a new tool from your toolbox. So, yes. and, and like we say, th- it is a great sign because it does mean that you're getting very close to meeting your baby, which is exciting. Right. Right. Okay. That's but right. before we meet baby, we have to push he or she out. So now we want to talk about your best tips and how you coach the moms you work with to push their baby out. Yeah. So it's, it does usually depend on if you've got an epidural or not. I do try to just let moms work with their body uh, if they don't have epidurals and bear down, you know, do that open glottis push, pushing if they if they feel that that's working. I don't do a lot of guided pushing with them. I just kind of encourage them to, you know, kind of bear down in their bottom. I did a while back always say, push like you're pooping push like you're pooping. But I've seen recently that that doesn't work as well for moms because pushing a baby out is different than than pooping. Okay. So, but that still sometimes I'll say, okay, it is kind of like you're pooping, but it's a little bit of a different sensation. Okay. We don't want to bear down as hard as we possibly can. Okay. But it's like, it's, it's more of this 
more of this like vaginal pushing. Okay. Sometimes what I'll do with my epidural moms is I'll put my hands on their sits bones. Okay. Or when I do uh, an exam to see if they're 10 centimeters dilated, I, or I'll check their station, um, the station of baby, I'll say, Hey, can you feel my fingers and try to see if you can push my fingers out. And a lot of times with my epidural moms, that works really, really good because it's like, Oh, I feel your fingers. Okay. Um, I don't feel them super well because I'm numb from my epidural, but I feel that pressure right there and I'm pushing towards that pressure. Okay. So epidural moms, you know, I, I do a lot more guided stuff like that. I always encourage my moms, regardless if you have an epidural or you don't, to change a lot, change positions just like you were in labor. Okay. It doesn't, you know, we don't have to just be on your back the whole time, or we don't have to just be squatting the whole time or hands and knees or whatever. I I like to encourage them to change positions, but also I say, hey, if, you know, sometimes I'll notice that we're in this one position and, you know, it's getting towards that 30 minute mark, but hey, she's making a lot of progress. And I'll say, let's, let's keep with it. Let's stay with it. Like you're making a lot of progress. If this feels good, like let's keep doing this, you know, but I do encourage moms, especially if they're having difficulty bringing baby down to change positions quite frequently. Cause there's, you know, there's squatting we can do, we can do kind of sideline and pulling one leg up me on your back. You can be, do hands and knees. And it's just about, it's just about moving and kind of seeing what works for you and what's moving baby down the best. Okay. Another tip that I always tell moms to do is regardless of what, what position you're in, try to think about putting your chin to your chest and kind of curling around your baby as you're pushing. Okay. We don't want to be necessarily like arching our back a whole lot. We want to do that like curling motion. Okay. So chin to chest, that's a good just cue for moms to remember is like, okay, I'm kind of putting my chin to chest um, while I'm pushing, whether I'm in a squatting position or whether I'm in sideline. But yeah, it's again, it goes back to just reading the room and seeing what's work, what's working and keep doing what's working and throwing thing, things against the wall and, and you know, until something kind of sticks and, and then eventually baby comes out and we have the baby. Yes. I think it's so cool that you encourage women to work with their bodies. Like I think that women don't realize I didn't, I didn't have an epidural and my body is helping me to push this baby out, you know, and it's like, I have to let my body help me. It's kind of hard to describe, but you can just, and also I could feel like every part of him come out of me. It's like a really interesting sensation. Like I knew when his head was out. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, I tell moms too, sometimes what they need is they'll be getting frustrated because they feel like they're not making progress. They've been doing this forever. Um, and I'll say, I'll say, get mad, get mad at him or get mad at her. Like get, and then they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's what they need, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is kind of a unique question, but we thought it was important to cover. Sometimes we know that a patient and a nurse, they just might not be a great fit for whatever reason, you know, we have chemistry or not chemistry with most people that we meet. So if you find yourself in a situation and you feel like your nurse is not helping you or, you know, respecting your goals, how would you coach a patient to handle that situation? 
Yeah, it's tough. I wish I wish these types of situations didn't happen, but you're right that they do. And that's why it's important to kind of know what you what to do if you find yourself in it. So most of us are are great and and we we've been trained to kind of read the patient, right? And and work with them. But there are some nurses out there who they just don't mix with this type of patient. And it's just, it's not a, it's not a working relationship. So if you feel like you're in that situation, I always encourage you first to say, Hey, you know, let's say you're pushing, Hey, I, I noticed I, I haven't, you know, changed a position in a while. Like, can I do this? I, I not even can I, but like, Hey, I'd like to change positions. Like, let's do this. Is there a reason why uh, I'm not changing my position? Or is there a reason why I, you know, you're suggesting this? So it's a lot of questions at first, okay? Because sometimes there's just a real big communication barrier, right? Your nurse might have all great good intentions of, of doing what she's doing, but she's not communicating effectively that like, oh yeah, um, you're actually making a lot of progress. And I haven't been, you know, encouraging you to change your position because you're about to have your baby and you're, you're making a lot of progress. So I I always encourage lots of questions. Okay. And communication. Sometimes it's just as, as simple as that. And what I say is get the charge nurse involved because she's, She's a good advocate for this and just to get to the root of the problem. Okay. Uh, sometimes it is just that. Okay. And we, and we work out the communication piece and everybody's good. Sometimes it is like, okay, we need a, we need a change of, of nurse. Okay. And that's completely fine. Don't feel bad about asking, uh, your charge nurse if you can have a different nurse. If you've, if you've tried to communicate with your nurse and it's just not working. There are usually, okay, I'm not going to say like always, but there are usually like always things we can do to figure out how to best support you, whether it's the charge nurse in there and she's, you know, pushing with you alongside of your nurse that was in there or whether your nurse, you know, leaves and now your charge nurse is just pushing with you. Like we want to help you and we want to be your advocate and and help you have the experience that you want to have. So I would say definitely, definitely talk to the charge nurse. It's okay to speak up, ask questions. Am I making progress? Like, why are you doing this? It's not like this, this defensive, you know, don't feel like you are, what's the right word? You're, you're bothering us by, by questioning. Like it is okay to ask questions. Like we, we are a team we're working together. Okay. But yeah, definitely speak up. If you feel like you're not treating, not being treated the right way, or you feel like your nurse is uh, not a good fit. It is, it is okay. And I encourage you absolutely to speak up. Yeah. It's the type of thing where the nurse should have an answer to your question. So if you're questioning something that's happening in that room, you have every right to do that. And she should, he or she should be able to answer that question for you. Okay. So we are getting towards the end. I have been loving all the information you're giving us so far. Is there a piece of advice that you wish that every woman that was going into her labor knew? Yeah. So you probably know what I'm going to say because <laughs> I've said it a couple of times, but 
do your education, take a birth course, uh, engulf yourself in the birth world, okay? During your pregnancy, learn as much as you can, listen to as many different birth stories, different, you know, types of, of situations and, and things, you know, that can happen with an open mind and with the intention that like, okay, I'm learning about this thing that might be kind of scary, not because like I'm manifesting it and it's going to happen, but just so I know like, okay, if I have a shoulder dystocia, for example, okay, I saw this post that mommy labor nurse posted about shoulder dystocias. And okay, I know that if, if this happens, that's why they're encouraging me to, you know, get my legs back this way and, and flip around. And there's going to be more people that probably enter the room. It's just so you have that awareness because gosh, it is so, so um, important in like how you take away that experience and how you process it. And if you have trauma from it. So if we are educated, if we are empowered, right? I, I, I'd like to say that my classes are just as much education as, you know, as empowerment too. That's super important is to feel confident going into the experience. Um, but, but yeah, education is, is absolutely my, my, my answer to this question above, above all else. Yeah. And I loved having you on because what we do know from research is that the support that you have inside of the room really matters. And I just love to encourage women, like you were saying, like, if you have a question, if you have a concern, speak up about it, because there's no reason you have to hold that in when your nurse could likely make you feel better, whether she's got a tool for you to use or she she's experienced this so many times. She knows that what you're going through is normal. Right. Exactly. Okay. We have to let everyone know where they can find more of you in case they want to take a deeper dive into labor and delivery. So where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So I am most active on Instagram. I'm just at mommy.labornurse over there. Also on TikTok. If you've got TikTok, it's the same handle um, at mommy.labornurse. I've also got my own podcast. It's just the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast where we do extra deep dives into subjects, um, you know, kind of like this, where I, there's only 15, you know, or I guess it's a minute now on, sto- on stories, but there's only so much I can say on Instagram. So sometimes on the podcast, I like to go in and really, really deep dive a subject, or that's where I have people come on and tell birth stories. We have experts come on there and talk. So the podcast is really, really great. I have also got the blog and we've got a lot of great articles on there. And that's just mommylaborders.com. And that is also where we have all three of our birth courses that you can choose from. We've got the natural series, the epidural series, and the C-section series. We believe that, you know, birth birth education should be tailored because not everybody's birth experience looks the same. So that's why we have three different ones to choose from. So yeah, basically Google mommy labor nurse. You'll, I was going to say, you've got me. a whole planet <laughs> that they can go yeah. find. And you guys, we will link that in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, we would absolutely love to see you share it over on Expecting and Empowered, tagging both of our accounts. Thank you so much for listening. 